0: The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. Here in Australia, we celebrate Anzac Day on the 25th of April. And so for the month of April and probably into May, I wanted to take some time to actually look at the roles of women in the Defence Force here in Australia. So today I'm joined by an absolutely amazing woman, uh, Helen Burgess. Now, Helen was a peacetime veteran. She's been married for 35 years. She's got two adult sons and is a nana to one. And maybe by the time this comes out, she'll be a nana to two. Uh, She's a member of the North Beach sub-branch of the RSLWA. She's a keen knitter, a reader, a programmer. And she also has a fur baby, her English Springer Spaniel, Bellatrix, who's 18 months old. Thank you so much for joining me today, Helen.
1: Thank you for asking me along.
0: Um, So I'm really excited to speak with you. So you were a member of the Royal Australian Air Force. Yes, I was. And you're a peacetime veteran. Yes. So before we start, can you tell me what does that mean?
1: Okay, so we know from the news and everything we've got current day veterans and we know that they've come back from Afghanistan and Iraq and seen stuff overseas Mm -hmm. Um, but a peacetime veteran happens after um, the end of Vietnam War Mm -hmm. to the beginning of uh, Timor or to about 2000 around there Um, and basically it's because we didn't see any action Mm -hmm. we there was a few deployments that were peacetime Mm -hmm. peacekeeping type stuff Um, but we didn't actually have to go and deploy and defend or be a part of a, a fighting force, so to speak.
0: Yeah. So, how old were you when you joined the Air Force?
1: I was 20 when I joined and it was actually my second attempt. Ah. <laughs> um, when I turned, just before I turned 18, um, I got my father to sign the paper so I could join the first time and they went, oh, go away and get a little bit life experience. Oh, wow. And then two years later, I went back and said, I've had life experience. Yeah. <laughs> Two whole years of life experience. <laughs> I want to. I want to join, um, and uh, I originally had ideas of joining as an officer, mm-hmm. but um, I ended up being a um, an other rank role,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I enjoyed that role. And it, get, you know, it was it was something that I really liked. One of the reasons to be an officer was that I really liked to fly too. Yeah. So um, that was one of my hobbies way back when. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, which was probably going to answer one of my questions, which was why the Air Force?
1: I love planes. Mm. I wanted to be a female pilot in the Air Force and um, unfortunately, I, I was before my time. Yeah. When I joined, th- there wasn't any. Mm. And then about three years later, they uh, took officers within the defense, within uh, Air yeah. Force to start mm-hmm. and then they started going outside. Um to the general public. Yeah. As one um, air air rank talk, told me when I was at a, a function um, from the aero club when I was there, um, we're cutting out 50% of the population by saying we can't have female pilots. Yeah. So they were changing. They were yeah. starting to change what they were doing. And I was in that time where things were being more opened up to women and what we could do and, and where we could go.
0: So had you always wanted to be in the air force yep (laughs) so you grew up just knowing that that's what you wanted to do
1: that's that's what i wanted to be i knew i wanted to fly um from a very young age my dad had these trees in the backyard lemon trees Mm -hmm. one was my helicopter and one was my my fixed wing plane and i used to play skippy the kangaroo Where I was the person, it wasn't the guy that was going yeah. out, it was me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know, this is from the ages of about five or six. Oh, wow. And uh, for my fifth birthday, my dad made me a rocket. Oh, how exciting. Yep, so I think I've always been sort of going that way. Yeah. And uh, when I grew up, STEM wasn't a thing. No. Um But that's what I was interested in. Yeah. I'm interested in science. I'm interested in the science of flight. I'm interested in chemistry, what works, what doesn't work. And, uh, yeah.
0: So, this is not where this podcast is supposed to be heading and I've derailed it. This is, I think, a record for me to be derailing at four minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, I wait a bit longer than this. But, so, speaking about when you were growing up, STEM wasn't a thing.
1: Yep. Was that an issue for you? No. Because my dad... um, my dad and mum allowed me to just explore. Yeah. So um, I was a bit of a tomboy. My dad had a shed up the back where he did all these handyman things. And um, I used to make, you know, other people make mud pies. I make sawdust ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to help dad out in the workshop. Um, I didn't learn to weld, but I learned to hold on to things when he was welding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when to let go. But yeah, he was, he was, it was. It was never it was never frowned upon that I wanted chemistry yeah so when I was in um, or, or wanted to look at physics or was interested in a particular science thing um, it, it wasn't really a problem because mm. my parents were like well you can do what you want yeah it's not that women can do whatever they want to do it's more about what do you want to do yeah. you as a person
0: that's it regardless of what your gender is yeah. So,
1: um, you know, I had an opportunity to become an industrial chemist when I finished high school and I decided, no, I want to join the Air Force. Ah. So, I could have gone... Two
0: very different... Yep. Yeah. So, what made you pick the Air Force over industrial chemistry? Uh, Flying. Flying. Uh, But then you weren't going to get to fly?
1: No, but I'd be on a base with flights.
0: Ah, and there'd be planes there. There'd be
1: planes, that, but uh, half my... Career wasn't spent on bases with planes, but you uh, don't know that when
0: you're seventeen, though, do you? <laughs> you
1: leaving high school, <laughs> no, no. Um, but I just liked aircraft, yeah. And I just it, I was drawn to it. My my eldest sister Gwen, she had joined the air force previously, ah, um, and she left to get married. But she joined the WAFS, the Women's Royal Australian mm-hmm. Air Force, while it was still the Women's Royal Australian Air Force. Um, and she was in when it changed. But she got out because she was marrying an officer. Uh, They were gonna get posted to different places. She wanted a family. That and sort of thing. It's very
0: different. Difficult to create a family when you're in very different places.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, especially when she was going to be in Darwin. Yeah, I think he was going to be staying in Sydney or something. Yeah, so, you really know, tricky to really have tricky. a family
0: in that situation.
1: Yeah, back then too. Yeah, because yeah. it was just the early days of being women being incorporated in the yeah. regular Air Force.
0: And your oh, your family? So obviously your sister was in the um, Air Force. Yeah, your parents?
1: No, but my granddad was a World War One. Uh, English veteran. Mm. So um, he saw uh, he was in the army, he went to Palestine, missed out on uh, Gallipoli by that much Um, because he graduated as Australia was pulling out Uh, and then England pulled out after. So when he got to Egypt he didn't need to go Um, and then when Palestine finished about a year later he went to um the western front and uh when he was in the western front he got what they called trench fever which mm. is actually like a, a a bug yeah um and he got it so bad he was so ill they had to send him back to england
0: oh so which you know either a blessing or for him at the time no doubt devastating
1: yeah and i don't know which mm. um, but it did definitely cut his life short he he died in the 50s yeah late 50s so um where i know the rest of his uh, brothers and sisters lived on well until their 80s yeah so no it did did do that but um, it's that's only because i'd had a you know did some research for my dad cuz he wanted to know mm.
0: So, so you didn't, oh yeah, you wouldn't have grown up hearing no, stories no. from him.
1: No, I didn't, didn't hear stories from him. I didn't hear stories from dad about his dad. Um, but I just had this thing about the Air Force. Um, I suppose my favourite movie of all time is the Battle of Britain. So um, maybe it was the romance of it. Yeah. <laughs> know, I don't know. There was just something about it. And I loved F-111s and I love Spitfires. Um, I'm not too keen on some of the more modern aircraft. Mm. Um, but there's just something about them. Yeah. You know, maybe it is the romance of the, of it all. Yeah. It can't be like one person I met who said, oh, I chose the Air Force because it had a better uniform.
0: <laughs> Do you know what? The Air Force is white, right? No. Blue. Blue, yes. No, okay, I'm fine with blue. Trying to keep anything white clean, I'm out. <laughs>
1: And the army had a horrid green. The women had a horrid green Mm. at the time. I much like, much better, like the new uniforms they've got.
0: Yeah. For the new army or for the new
1: new army, air force. um, All of them. All of them. yeah, Yeah, they've gone. They've for the women. It's it's much more. That's sort of you can tell that it's just the same. Yeah. Just a different colour. Just a
0: different colour. So when you joined, was it a culture shock for you?
1: Not really. Um, I was, it could have been, I suppose, but I felt like I was, had done it all before. Mm. So when I went to recruit, so I went from Perth to Adelaide to mm-hmm. Edinburgh, and that's where I did my recruit training. Um, and you have to wait in a pool, they call them pulleys, <laughs> um, and you do odd jobs of where they, of wherever they can put you, mm-hmm. um, until you get your whole group together, yeah. whole 24 of you. So I had to wait a week or so um, and then we started the, the course and you just had to do things and I was used to just having to do things because my dad was fairly uh, regimented, I suppose, in mm. some ways. You know, I had to keep my room clean, which well, was the same thing in the Air Force. Yeah. Um, marching and exercising, well, that was a bit different um, but it wasn't anything I wasn't prepared to do.
0: Was it? Were you? I guess were there many women who were there?
1: Well, when I went through, there were two flights of twenty-four. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one ours and one behind us, and um, I think there was a couple of extra flights of guys as well. But they, we had a um, an airfield defense guard, an agi, called Dave Basham, and he had just been promoted to sergeant. Mm-hmm. He wasn't supposed to have a course, but he was wonderful. He, You, you know, there was... Um, if you were on parade and he needed to adjust your dress, he goes, ACW, uh, I need to adjust your dress. Yes, Sergeant? <laughs> he adjusts your dress. Good. Don't let it happen again. Yes, Sergeant? <laughs> um, at, but, you know, after eight weeks with him and... Having gone through some of, the, like one young lady, she just couldn't take couldn't take directions. Just yeah. didn't have the wherefore, where for the uh, we call it the CDF, you know. And uh, she was discharged um, as being not suitable. Yeah, don't know how she got recruited, but never mind. Um, and there was a couple of other things that happened on base, and he was really compassionate and got us through.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. Um, Like, when I went through, we had to do um, NBC training, which is nuclear, biological, chemical warfare training, in those horrid suits. And one of the things they do is with the gas mask is they put you into a tent full of CS gas or, like, almost like pepper spray. Yeah. And uh, this particular gas reacts with moisture. Female bodies... Yeah. Moisture. Uh. So, the day before... Um, Sergeant Basham came up and said, girls, you need to do surfboard drill. (laughs) (laughs) What's surfboard drill, Uh, Sergeant? Well, you know how your anatomy is different to our anatomy. Yes, Sergeant? Well, you've got to use those things that you use once a month when you go and do the gas training. Okay, Sergeant. So that's the sort of guy he was. Yeah. He actually helped us because the flight, the other flight of women, their corporal was an asshole. <laughs> ah,
0: makes a difference.
1: Makes a difference.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you had, so your whole flight was all women? Yep. Oh, wow.
1: Do you think that made a difference? I think so. I think um, we sort of did fraternise with the guys and the boozer mm. and all that kind of stuff, but I think it did make a difference that we were all there for each other. Yeah.
0: And it's not just one or two women out of... 24 in a boys club.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we were there all for each other. Right? Yeah. Um, one girl ended up getting medically discharged after three weeks because she had a back injury and she didn't know. Mm. And doing um, the course, the... Yeah. Uh,
0: basic training Basic training
1: stuff. course, going over obstacles yeah. and things. Obstacle course, that's it. Um, she put it back out. After How devastating! It devastating. She was. Uh, she was a really lovely girl. Yeah, really lovely girl. Um, and we all sort of, like, most of us were going on to the same, uh, training base yeah. for our trades. Others were going to other places, so it meant we still had a little sort of friendship group when we got to the new yeah. place. Yeah. So yeah.
0: How physically demanding was that training?
1: Pretty, pretty much. Um, like you're marched everywhere yeah and you know, 10,000 steps could be done in half a day because <laughs> you marched everywhere. Uh, I, I mentioned about the NBC training. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to jog around the block and these blocks are like city block size yeah okay and so we had to jog around and it was about keeping together yeah so if whilst everybody was waiting for the last people to come up, they had to do push-ups. Oh God. <laughs> until the last people came up. Yeah. So they got the message that
0: you're going to need to be faster.
1: Or uh, st- <laughs> well, not only faster, you've got to keep stay together. together. Yeah. You know, you, you, you stay together. Yeah. Um firing a weapon was a bit different. It wasn't something I was expecting. Mm. Um but at the same time it didn't bother me cuz dad used to do competition shooting, yeah. so it just didn't bother me because uh, he used to talk about shooting. Yeah. So, it wasn't a big thing. Um, but, you know, you had to be fit. Mm. And I went in with a certain level of fitness and I just upped it again. Elevated, yeah. Um, and that's something that's different today. Today, when recruits go in, if they're not fit enough, mm-hmm. if they're not physically – like, they can't run or whatever, they're given a training <laughs> –
0: Oh, wow. I didn't realise that.
1: They, they sort of said, well, you need to do this training yeah. to get to this fitness level. So, yeah.
0: Ah. I assumed, well, you're not fit enough, you don't get in.
1: Yeah. it's It depends how badly they're... How un- close are you. How, yeah. How close are you Yeah. and how much you really are wanting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I was always an active, physical, fit youth yeah. girl. Yeah so you know i played hockey i like to play squash yeah. i walked everywhere you know it didn't it wasn't marching to me was just oh, it was a bit of a quicker walk
0: yeah <laughs> mm. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah and
0: so you finish your training. training yep and then you go out and
1: you go y- next to your trade school oh okay so my trade was communications mm-hmm. and uh, do
0: you get to choose that or does that get assigned to you
1: i chose it okay so when I, when I went to recruits, I ch- uh, to the recruiting uh, mm-hmm. office, I actually chose what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so then I went to Laverton to do the training mm-hmm. um, and I spent um, a good six months or so there. Got sent home at Christmas and then came back again uh, for Christmas leave, I'd send you, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think there was an airline strike at something at the time so I didn't leave until a lot later uh, than yeah. others because getting to WA is like... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all in all, it was... you um, sort of worked out who you were and what you, would, what you actually wanted out of friendships because mm. there's a lot of fair-weather friends. Yeah. Um, so when everything is going great...
0: They're right there with you. They're right with you. But mm-hmm. if you
1: go through a little bit of a tough time...
0: Yeah, you're on your own, love.
1: You're on your own. Yeah. And um, I suppose that's something I learnt in the, in the Air Force is that there are these things called fair weather well, friends. Because mm. um, I was wanted to be friends with everyone. Yeah. I wanted to trust everyone. Um, but I couldn't necessarily do that.
0: Did you find... So, when you went on to do the trade school training, mm-hmm. um, was that mixed cohort...
1: Uh yes, sort of. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> well, the majority of us were girls. Yep. And then as the guys flunked out of the signal oh. <laughs> they came to us. And then right down near the end of our training, like the last few weeks of our training, which is all sort of very hush hush sort of stuff, mm-hmm. um, they another guy transferred over from the Navy ah and he'd never done that work so then he came in yeah but most of my courses after that point were mixed yeah so
0: and yeah. Um, i suppose we hear the, the stereotypes that and whether or not they still exist today but that women have to prove themselves more than their male cu- counterparts yep. in the forces did you experience that yep so in what ways
1: in what ways um getting through the work quicker Mm. just being more attentive to details particularly when you get out Um, having guys I remember when I got on my first shift um, in Sydney at the telecommunications unit in Sydney Mm -hmm. and it was a night shift it was three o'clock in the morning and I'm one of two girls on the shift Mm -hmm. Um, the other girls gone off and done what going to do a job and I'm there just sort of watching the monitors so so to speak and the guys start up with those jokes. Mm. You know, and like, have you got half a bar of chocolate? Or do you like chocolate? Yeah, well, I've got half a bar. Do you want one? Yeah. You know, all that kind of innuendo, yeah. sexual, just, just to try and see how I'd react. Mm. So I told them, I can't remember the joke, but I knew I had a joke that was really bad. <laughs> and I told it. And they looked at me and they went, you win.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, so there was that. There was the, um, some of the corporals I I worked under or worked with said, um, well, I expect you to, I don't expect you to dig a trench. And I said, well, why not? Mm. I can handle a spade. Can't you handle a spade? He says, well, I'm not giving birth. And I said, well, I wouldn't expect you to. You don't have the parts.
0: Also, that's not on the job description. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. At no point do I expect to be asked to give birth for my role in the Air Force.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But he was talking about that women thing. Yeah. I bet you can't lift up this table. But it's a table he wouldn't be able to lift either. Yeah. So, you're like, excuse me? Yeah. Trying to really be this stretch of of what it is. Yeah. And... I suppose there are some old crusties out there still. Yeah. Um, hopefully, there's not. Hopefully, nothing's been learnt or passed down, mm. or, which which tends to happen. How yeah. you how you how you how deal you went with up
0: through it? So how th- you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So um, hopefully that's changed, and I yeah. think that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to change that culture mm. is the boys' club culture is because it's always been exactly a boys' club culture. Yeah.
0: And so did you find that, you know, with so with the jokes that once you'd kind of one up to them and put them in their place, then you were one of the boys? Yep. Yeah.
1: And and that's literally how you had to be because mm. if you were a precious princess, mm. You, you were going to be treated like a precious princess. You were treated yeah. like a precious princess. And that wasn't the role. The role was to work together. Yeah. The, the, you know, you have esprit de corps and camaraderie. Mm. The esprit de corps is the working together. Yeah. It's I have your back.
0: Yeah.
1: How can you have your back if you don't trust me not to be a precious princess? And that's, I
0: guess, that's kind of where it comes from. I have You know, with a couple of conversations that I've had with men who have been in the Defence Forces... They've struggled, and I think it's because of what they've what they've heard from senior officers. But they've struggled with women in it because well, I need to know that if I'm in a difficult situation, yep. that she's going to have my back, and how can I trust it? How can I trust a woman? Yeah. Um, so you you can't be a precious princess, I no, guess, because you, can't, you do. You can't treat at it times like a, people's lives are depending on it,
1: and and that's the whole thing. You go out if you're out in the field. You've got to depend on them. And I think that's for why for a long time we weren't allowed to go out on any of the deployments yeah. or go to those jobs that required us to have the guys' backs. So I this I think it's one of the reasons why the army took such a long time yeah. to let the women be more do more roles. Yeah. Um because there was things like, Well, if you're a woman and you kill someone, how is that gonna affect you? Well how does it affect Same the guys? way that it
0: affects a bloke, I'm gonna guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: a lot of the stuff that we do in the Air Force or when I did it, there was when I started there was no thing, such thing as sexual harassment mm-hmm. because the act wasn't in. Yeah. There was no such thing as oh hmm. There was um, a lot of the stuff that, the, that they have today that they have frameworks around to do that with, I didn't have. Yeah. So you either sucked it up or you got out. Mm. And by sucking it up, meant that it wasn't meaning that you had condoned it or you didn't like it. Because um, there have been times when, for instance, in Darwin I've been promoted to a sergeant, I was in, an, in a unit, and there was a mainly male tech office that I had to walk through, or tech mm-hmm. workshop. And I turned around to all the guys and I said, there is only one word I don't want to hear out of your mouth. If I hear it... I'll put you up on charge. And they said, what word is that? And I said, it starts with C and ends with T. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. So because you never know when I'm coming through, don't, don't get, use it. Don't use it.
2: Yeah.
1: And they were like, not a problem, Sarge.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, because I told them where my line was. Yeah. You know, I heard lots of Fs and <sighs> lots of bloodies and lots of, oh, yeah. that bastard. <laughs> Why won't it go in? You know, I heard a lot of that. But they knew I didn't like that word. Yeah. And they knew they could come into my um, hole in the wall, because that's what my office was, (laughs) and sit down and have a talk Yeah, if they needed to. So it wasn't like... I always said that I wouldn't do what I wouldn't ask somebody else to do. Mm -hmm. So if I asked them not to use that word, I never used it. You won't use it either, yeah. If somebody asked me to dig a trench, I expect them to be part of the trench as well. Yeah. And I think that's what the being one of the boys is about. Mm. It's about doing what's expected together as a team. And once you got over that, th- the only thing is when you when you're on that's every time you go to a new unit or you go to a new base, you had to start all, all that again. again, unless you already knew someone there. Yeah. <laughs> so it gets a little tiresome sometimes, but yeah, no. Yeah. So,
0: did you have any bad experiences with things like sexual harassment?
1: Not with sexual harassment but with bullying. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I was accused of several things mm. and at the time the, the um, Defence Act had that you were guilty until proven innocent, oh. right? So, that meant I was suspended from my job. Oh. I had no rights. I was put under pseudo house arrest. In other words, they didn't give me a piece of paper to say I was under arrest. You just couldn't go anywhere. I just couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, couldn't socialise with my peer group in the Air Force. I couldn't um, – I got taken to and from work by uh, – in a carpool. Oh, it's because, you know, you have got to save money. Or, excuse oh. me. When everybody else is more ranked than I yeah. am in a carpool, you've got to wander. Yeah. Um, and this went on for about nine months.
0: It's a long time.
1: Yeah. And I eventually went to the minister at the time, mm. um, who's now our governor, Mr Beasley, mm-hmm. uh, Governor Beasley, uh, and I'd written everything out in an envelope, sent to my father to give to him. Yeah. And he read it and he went... <clears throat> and very shortly after that I was given my, the, the official interview, Yeah. which cleared me.
0: Said nine months of just sitting in limbo.
1: Yeah, and and the uh, security police coming up and going, okay, we want to talk to you now. We want you to talk about this, or we want you to talk about that. I don't know anything about this or that. Yeah. So just in limbo, not knowing where you're going, not knowing Mm. who your friends are. As I said, you know, fair weather friends. Yeah. Um, and that did leave me with some significant.
0: Trauma. I was going to say, how did that impact you? So whereabouts in your, so you were in the um, air force for sixteen years. Whereabouts?
1: That was nine. I joined in eighty four, and that was nineteen eighty nine.
0: So you stayed for another ten years after that.
1: Yep, thirteen. Yeah.
0: So how did that impact? How did that impact you staying?
1: Um, I was pretty stubborn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, I feel like you might need to be in order to be able to, <laughs> you
1: know,
0: to be in the Air Force, to be fair.
1: Um, I th- – that first year I had a, had a really terrible um, – first two years that year, 89 and 90 mm. were um, not very good. Mm. So, our annual reports, they just ignored them. <sighs> um, I was a corporal for 10 years. Mm. Uh, every time I went to a new base – or a new unit the whispers had already gone before me uh, so I didn't necessarily get to do the jobs I wanted to do yeah which
0: despite the fact that your name was cleared
1: yep um, the fact that I had to have a security interview every couple of years until they finally in Darwin they went, oh we don't need to do it anymore we'll just do it on their regular five-year basis yeah no, because there was nothing that they could do. Yeah. Um, it proved nothing. Mm. But it's because I married someone who likes motorcycles and doesn't... You know, I'm diff- we're different. Yeah. Um, people not... People using information for their own purposes and twisting it. Mm. You know, it, it's... It took me a long time to acknowledge that that's...
0: Yeah. Not a lot of trauma there.
1: Not good. Yeah. And I do have PTSD from mm. it. People go, "Oh, but that that wouldn't be." oh, excuse me?
0: Yeah, I think people have this idea that PTSD comes from a really big thing that happens, it's you know, not. And actually it's the dripping tap. Mm. It's the the little things that are constant that, you know, continue for years.
1: Yep. And you know, for to to have that for ten, 10 years. Yeah, yeah, it is 10 years to, to have that drip. Yeah. And to go into a base and people disliking you automatically because they've heard the rumours.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, people trying to say that you're one thing and you're not. Mm. It makes it very hard to work that that teamwork yeah that essential teamwork it didn't didn't matter to me it mattered to them yeah so it wasn't and it was and the thing is it was the women who were the worst Mm. you know yeah my own sex was like i thought well what what would happen if it happened to you if you were told though yeah the outcome one of the i like to think my case sort of changed things a little. Um, the outcome of it was that now you're innocent until proven, proven guilty. guilty. Yeah, um, and, and hopefully
0: it, something happens quicker than nine months. Yeah,
1: and it's it, it and that's the thing. It, yeah. it's a
0: uh, because you went, you had the courage and the the ability to be able to go to the minister at the time. Yeah, there are a lot of people that wouldn't be able to do that.
1: No, and the, and the thing is, is that they. There's a lot of things said about, well, if you go to the minister, mm. you can kiss your career goodbye. Yeah. If you go and do to the ombudsman, yeah, you can kiss your career goodbye. And I suppose in some ways maybe that did happen. Mm. But um, that 10 years as a corporal taught me a lot of stuff <laughs> um, because it, it made me realise that for me to get that next rank and, mm. and to have the people who you need to give you the reporting score to get the next rank, yeah. not treat you um, as though you're... Uh, damaged goods. Damaged goods or the letter A. Yeah. Or the red letter, you know, yeah. th- that sort of thing. That that It takes time. Mm. And... Um,
0: and that must be difficult as well when you are... Moving bases, yeah. Because, because I was sort of thinking, would it have made it easier that you were moving bases because you'd you'd had that experience for nine months, but then when you moved, you get a chance to start afresh. But you didn't no. because the whispers went before you. So,
1: because that's one thing I will say about my mustering, we were really good at passing on the rumours. <laughs> we had we had the channels to do that. Yeah, being in communications, so yeah, yeah it was yeah. You know. Um, but I did have. But in doing, in saying that, I also met a lot of people who believed in me,
2: mm.
1: and um, it just made it hard for me to work with groups of people. Yeah, because you'd get people who'd go, "Oh, I don't want to work with her." Yeah, why not? No reason. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and I suppose this is the first time I've said it publicly that I. You know, I've told my family and my mm. friends what I've gone through. Yeah. But I've never told...
0: Outside of that circle. Outside of that circle. So, yeah.
1: th- this is a world's first, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I can laugh about it. It doesn't... It, it How long did it take before you could laugh about it? Um, about... Tw- oh, 2016. Yeah. So, I post-RAF... I joined um, – I went to teach at TAFE mm-hmm. and some of the stuff that was happening, the, the social isolation, the that sort of stuff, near the near the end of my time at TAFE, that yeah. sort of um, was there. Um, so, I ended up and, – and I was suffering from PTSD. I
0: was going to say, I imagine – I've heard that a lot about the TAFE culture and I know I'm sure that there are some TAFEs that are awesome, but that must have been quite triggering.
1: Yeah, and – the last two years, I think it triggered the most, or yeah. two or three years, it, it got triggered, and I just I didn't didn't know why I was so angry. Yeah, that people couldn't follow rules. <laughs> I was getting really frustrated. Like how hard is it? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, you know, they they informed me about the voluntary redundancies really nicely. They said you're targeted, which <laughs> is another thing that's sort of a trigger. Um, but I ended up taking it. Yeah. And, um, and it also meant that the Christmas before I left, I'd rung up open arms or VVCS as Mm. they were then. And I talked to someone and then I started going to counselling every week and we started working through it. And because the trauma is so long ago, it wasn't a...
0: It's not a quick process.
1: It's not a quick process, but it was about rebuilding me. Yeah. Because one of the things about PTSD is it, is it affects different things in different people. Yeah. For me, it's trust. Mm. So, I don't trust as easily as I used to, um, which makes it hard. <laughs> it
0: does. And um, I I didn't grow up in a military household, but I um, grew up with... You know, my dad was a police officer while I was growing yep. up. And he got to a point where he... Didn't trust anybody mm. because people lied to him all day, mm. and so he'd come home and was expecting everybody to lie to him. Yep. And so that's really difficult for the people who you're living with yep. when you find it hard to trust. Yeah,
1: you, you um, my husband and I split for a period of time whilst I was serving um, in ninety ninety one round there, um, and that was a trust issue thing. Mm um there was a whole lot of stuff yeah that happened um so i kept to myself a lot i yeah. had very few friends um the friends i did make i've still got today yeah i might not be in contact with them as much but i'm still they're still f- friends they're still friends you and know? if you picked up
0: the phone you could just pick it up
1: yeah yeah um and some of them are the non-fair with like they went through that time with me yeah a little bit yeah like like the tail end or whatever, but yeah. you know it was okay, um, and I suppose for my my husband and myself, we just made ourselves it made us particularly after the separation stronger,
2: because
1: mm. we only had one child when we separated, yeah, and then um, when we renewed our vows, then I had the second son. So yeah. there's about five years between my sons,
0: yeah. So, with that, you joined the Air Force mm-hmm. and then, then you met your husband. Yep. What was his reaction to dating someone and then proposing and marrying somebody who oh. was in the Air Force?
1: <laughs> a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> I've never asked him the, what his reaction would be. Um, he just knew that if he wanted to meet me, you'd have to go to the gate and get a pass. Yeah. Or I'd have to meet him at the gate to get him a pass. Eventually I moved off base. I mean, base. some people
0: have to, they have to cope with the, having to come and meet the dad, but there's armed guards on those guys. So. Yep, yep. Um, and if you're late home, it's not that you get grounded. Like, there's some serious issues if you don't yeah. make curfew. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, well, we didn't necessarily have curfew, but um, I moved off base, Oh, I suppose, three or four months after I met him. Ah. <sighs> and um that made things a lot easier yeah but then i had to go to butterworth for this exercise uh, where i was backfilling for the people who went to singapore for it or whatever and um i could we we had no mobile phones ah of course right in 1986 um i'd go to the base post office which had the international phones and i'd ring him up i'd Ah, uh, yeah. I had a time and Yeah. This is when I'm gonna ring, make sure you're home, da da da. Yeah. And I'd ring and I'd talk to him and I was there for four weeks. And in that four weeks he asked me to marry him. Ah. And I went, nah, talk to me when we get home. Yeah.
0: Just so you know this is not gonna be our proposal story. <laughs> <laughs> nah,
1: nah, nah, nah. Anyway, I got home and then I was home for a couple of weeks and then I had to go on another exercise. Again, post it wasn't a post office then it was just a was up at Rockhampton, it was a public phone, bring him up. Yeah. And um, I was talking with him and he goes, oh, you know, I want to marry And I go, no, 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 talk to me when I get home. So I get home and I said, listen, you're if you're going to, to ask me to marry you, I want you to ask my dad. Mm. So we had to get on the phone, <laughs> ring my dad, ask for my hand and dad said, well, if you can control it better than I can, you're better than me. <laughs>
0: I think you just just let that one go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I got married in Sydney. Didn't have my mum and dad. Ah, I was going to
0: ask whether or not. Okay. No, I had
1: my sister Gwen that mm-hmm. I mentioned. She was in Canberra with her husband, um, so they came up. Gary yeah. gave me away. Um, but my mum and dad went to Monkey Mia that year. Oh. <laughs> because they'd already booked it, and airfares to Sydney were exorbitant. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad put it to me like, I can help you with the wedding or I can fly there to be... To... Yeah. So I had the help with the wedding.
0: Yeah. So, and did you wear a, a wedding dress? Yep. Yeah. Because I know obviously a lot of men, mm. they go in their uniforms. Mm. So...
1: No, I had a wedding dress. Yeah. I actually had a wedding dress with a veil, yeah. the whole bouquet, the whole nine hours, because that's what a wedding was for me. Yeah. It wasn't... It wasn't with a military chaplain. It wasn't on a military base. It was a wedding wedding. It was a wedding wedding. Yeah. You know, it, it's... Um, yeah, it was just one of those things. Yes. Yeah. Girls like to have their weddings. Yeah, definitely. It was pink, the wedding dress, but it was good. Ah. Yeah. Cool. So, a little bit different. Or well, pink underskirt anyway. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, And then... So then you had your first child?
1: I had my first child um, in 87. and yeah. So how
0: was that, having a baby while being in the Air Force? Uh,
1: different, mm. very different. Um, there became a time when you were not able to do anything. And this is how much they hadn't thought about women being pregnant in the Air Force. They didn't have a maternity I uniform. I was just
0: about to ask, did they have a maternity uniform?
1: No.
0: Nope. So then what did you wear?
1: Uh, maternity clothes.
0: Okay, mm. so you just went without a uniform? Yep fair enough
1: <laughs> i wasn't going to be on parade so yeah. and i was working shift work so yeah. you
0: know i can come naked or <laughs> you can work out how to get me a maternity uniform or i'll wear maternity they clothes i just didn't think about it yeah
1: right and that cuz up until that point
0: cuz what year was it when women had to leave the air force in, if they got married or had was, babies
1: it was in the 70s so so a
0: good almost 20 years later yeah and so they
1: so, he was in 1987. So, I'd say it would be about seven to eight, nine years later. okay.
0: Even so. Yeah. I guess I was going from 70 to 87 going, that's nearly 20 years. They should have done something by then. <laughs> yeah,
1: but they still should have thought about it. Yeah. You no. Know?
0: Because um, surely you weren't the first no. to have a baby. No.
1: No, I wasn't.
0: So, they've thought about it and gone, yeah, look, probably not many will do it. So, let's just ignore it.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Men were in the unit. Um, that you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, to make the uniforms, um, and then um, so all my healthcare was done was covered. Yeah, my hospital stay was covered. But as soon as the baby was born, I had to have private cover for him.
2: Ah, uh, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: So my husband's private cover went from a single to a family.
0: Uh, oh oh. <laughs> right.
1: And it's expensive when you, you're one parent and one child.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the, the no, yeah. But we wouldn't not have it. Yeah. Um, and I took three months off. I had a bit of leave. So I had my, my 12 weeks. I started six weeks before, six weeks after, and then I had some leave.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was easy enough? There was, like, not much pushback around that? No.
1: The pushback came about when I wanted to breastfeed.
0: Ah. Yeah, how did that
2: go?
1: Well, see, I was expressing at work. Yeah. And some of the girls who'd never had kids were still early. Well, yeah. they are only three or four years younger than me, but, you know. Yeah. Why does she get to have odd hours to go for her breaks?
0: Because otherwise her boobs are going to explode. explode. <laughs> and and there's going to be milk everywhere and it could actually be squirted right at you.
1: <laughs> so I felt like <laughs> saying that. I wish I had. Yeah. But anyway, they, they made the, uh, the complaint... To a senior
0: NCO? Oh, my goodness. Like To
1: a male, no less.
0: I'm sorry. I guess I was expecting that you may have had pushback from men, but to have the women mm-hmm. put the complaint in.
1: Mm-hmm. To a male who then had to come to me and say, Helen, listen... Can you try and work out your expressing around the breaks times? I said, no. No, it doesn't work like doesn't that, It doesn't work like that. You know you're with your wife it That's doesn't work it. like
0: that. I'll just switch them off and switch them back on again when I need to pump, shall I?
1: Although the funny thing is I did have – it was a night shift and I had it in bottles. Yeah. And one of, they ran out of milk and they didn't go over – because it was raining, they didn't go over to the kitchen to get more milk. Oh. <laughs> and one of the guys went, gee, this milk feels funny. I said, which bottle did you use? <laughs> So, there was that sort of funny side of things. But um, the whole thing about the girls pushing back, that was like... And so, at four months, my son went on to formula. Yeah. I'd been back at work for a month and...
0: And they made it too hard. Yeah. That's terrible. And I know that that's, you know, 1987, times have changed. But women should be supporting women.
1: Yeah. It was it was almost like dog eat dog, you know. Yeah. Because, where I, and I don't know why. It's mm. never. It's always bugged me that they did that. Yeah. So when I had my second son, again in the air force, mm-hmm. no maternity uniform. Five still years, five years later. Five years later. They thought about it the year after. <laughs> they put one out the year after. Um i had him i was off for four months came back i was in a different unit um it wasn't such a problem but i wasn't going to go through it again yeah so the last month before i went back i was swapped him over to formula yeah so and there's a lot of things involved with taking a breastfed baby and putting them onto formula a you've got to find a formula they like
0: yeah and that agrees with their system
1: yep and yeah. doesn't cause any allergies yeah um, and then you've got to convince your husband who's been quite happy with the nappies until that point.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Formula nappies are disgusting.
1: Yep, to change the nappies. Yeah. Because what would happen is that I would get up, I'd go to work, my husband would take my son to daycare. Yeah. Or sons to daycare. Um, then he'd finish work, he'd come home. He'd, he'd be, have the kids, yeah. He'd have the kids and then I'd come home. Yeah. Um, when I was working two nights, two days, during the day, they'd go to. It, we'd go through that process. Yeah. So I had a lovely family daycare person who lived next door to me. I'd take my son round, drop him off, you know, yeah. all that kind of thing. Um, and night shift, the husband had to deal with it.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, it was very much about... So.
0: I'm just thinking that you know 1987 mm-hmm. and five years later, what's that? 92? 92. Yeah, <laughs> I can do the maths, honest. I promise. <laughs> your husband was following you. Yep. And your career. Yep. What was that like?
1: Like, uh, it was because that's quite progressive. It is quite progressive, and he he he, he had a trade. He was a carpenter, mm-hmm. and he would always find work. Yeah. Um, We'd always try to line up work before we got to a place. Yeah. Um, sometimes it didn't work out that way, which meant he just had time with the kids, or one or two at the yeah. time, and then move on. Sale, when I was at Sale, that was the worst for him mm-hmm. because he couldn't get work for a while. Ah. Uh. But it was also the funniest because... He was stay-at-home dad to yeah. two kids. So he got to take the eldest to school and he took the youngest to playgroup with all the other mums. Yeah. And all the dads who were serving yeah. got upset at their wives that there was this bloke with a beard and a motorcycle sidecar turning up with at their daycare, <laughs> at their playgroup. Yeah. What's, well, he's a dad. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, he's a dad. Yeah. Which
0: part of it are you not understanding?
1: <laughs> and of course, I had to tamp down that, what are you doing with those women because I would get, yeah. Because this is after the trust thing, yeah. so it was like, breathe. It's okay. It's just play group. It's just play group.
0: <laughs> yeah, and those mums are knackered. Yeah, they're not interested <laughs> in anything else.
1: <laughs> so you know, he he had his. We used to call it the harem at home. Yeah, yeah. Um. So there's those sort of things. Yeah. Uh, when he when I went. to... And usually, like when he, when we went to Darwin, he put his hand to anything. Yeah, like he's worked in a servo, he's worked in a warehouse, he's worked um, in retail. He's you know whatever. Yeah, he's, he's put his hand to whatever, plus his trade to do what he needs to do.
0: Yeah, to support you and to be there and yeah, yeah,
1: and and to be my partner. To yeah, be, and it is a partnership. Yeah, and how
0: how was that for you? Going back to 1987 and even thinking about now, the kind of the societal mm. ideas around who should be looking after children and who should be raising children, mm. how did you cope with your husband being the stay-at-home dad and you being the person who was leaving oh, the kids? Oh, that was,
1: that was different. Um, the leaving part wasn't so hard because that's what I did anyway. Yeah. The hard part was the other job I did at home. Yeah. Right? So... You're a mum, you're a wife, you go home, you do the housework, you Mm -hmm. do the cooking, you do whatever. Yeah. So when my husband Tony was a stay-at-home dad, I had to actually stop trying to fix things when I got home. Yeah. So if he didn't do it the way I did, I had to go, no, that's, that's his way, I can't. Yeah. Because he was keeping the house how he kept the house. Yeah. He was never taught how to, to be a housekeeper, mm. but he would he would wash the floors. He would look after the kids. He would try to get Bill to eat vegetables and have it thrown at him. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he had he'd put up with Bill trying to cook potatoes in the griller. Um, yeah. <laughs> Because he saw Dad put That's things it. in the grillers. So I'll put potatoes in the grillers. That's what we're going to do. Yeah,
0: it's all good till the flames start coming out.
1: <laughs> I want you to start smelling roast potato yeah. and you can't understand why. Um, Am I having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you know, he'd get the kids ready for bed. Yeah. But then we always we'd always said when we had even our first one, Chris, the kids are part of the family. We mm-hmm. don't revolve around them. Mm. So... Uh, which sort of upset my mother-in-law mm. because her idea was you revolve around your kids and I'm going no 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 they revolve around us mm. or they're part, they're of, part us, of it yeah you know so um, it meant that we had to be cohesive yeah the kids try to play us off against each other well that didn't work yeah and and they knew. They knew if they were in trouble, you don't go squealing to mum yeah. because mum would just send you back to dad. Yeah, that's you know, it. It,
0: it's it's yeah. It's just got to be on the same page.
1: Yeah, and it was having him look after that meant that I could be, or him looking after the home front mm. meant that I could do my job. Yeah, in the air force, mm. I didn't really have to worry.
0: It also meant that when you were home, you got to be mum. Yeah, and not have to.
1: Oh, read stories, yeah, play with Lego. and play and have fun, yeah, 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 yeah. Just I mean, I
0: can't think of anything worse than playing with Lego personally, but
1: <laughs> oh, listen, I've got a half built Lego typewriter at home waiting for me to finish it off.
0: Oh, I can't think of anything worse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, were there any
0: ever any times where being a mum was a disadvantage when you were in the Air Force?
1: Yep, um. A couple of times, well, one in particular, there was uh, a period of time when there was a peacekeeping force going to Cambodia. Mm-hmm. I was in Melbourne at the time. would have been about 1990, 91. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wanted to put my name down. I yep. wanted to submit my name. And um, one of the sergeants I had at the time basically looked at my application and said, no, I'm not going to be putting this in because you're a mum. And I'm like...
0: Yeah, that's not your call to make.
1: It's not your call. But I let it go. Yeah. I wasn't... You have to pick your battles. Yeah. Right? Um, And I think that's something that's different now Mm. is that mums are no different now.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay? So, and, and, like, I'm talking 90. Yeah. Early 90s. Yeah. That's still... It's still only, like... Ten years from being fully amalgamated yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. So, um... We have to give them a little bit of leeway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But the disadvantage, I'd have to say, is the other way around. Mm. Because if the school rang and my son was sick, I couldn't just take off.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I would have to check that I was able to leave. Mm. And sometimes I couldn't. Um, It meant that Tony had to do more of the school pickups Yeah. Go to the school carnivals Go to the, you know, all that sort of thing I would do lots of the stuff at home Like homework and that sort of thing But um, But he was
0: there for the moments
1: Yeah Mm. So when I got out And my youngest was still in early Like early primary school Mm. It meant that I could take yeah. And when he was in high school, I got to do canteen for the first time ever. Yeah. <laughs> You're um, like,
0: this is what I was missing out on?
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. I did it for a term. Yeah. um, And, you know, I I was able to be there for them. And, yeah. and I was able to do things like uh, when my youngest was doing his TAE mm. or TAE or whatever yeah. you call it now. I was able to take that three months off.
0: Yeah. To be there to support him.
1: To be there to support him. So, we distressed the house. Yeah, nice. So, he had no stress. Mm. He just did what he had to do. Yeah. Wasn't on his back about studying because yeah. that's not how it works with a person like him. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't think that actually helps anybody.
1: No. So <laughs> no, but it was just it, it was just nice to be able to take that time. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose now being a grandparent, it's nice that I can still... I can take that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, if my um, granddaughter needs me to go and be at a carnival... Yeah. ..if I'm given enough time... You can be there. ..I can be there. Yeah. Um, if they need me urgently, they can get, give a call mm. and I can be there. Yeah. Which was something I wasn't able to do while I was in. Yeah. So, I still
0: have so many questions and I'm aware that we're running out of time... ..which is really unfortunate. <laughs> 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 um what would you say to girls who were thinking about joining the Air Force?
1: That you really have to be prepared to be one of the boys mm. or part of a team.
0: Oh, uh, those two are very different.
1: Yeah, in, in some ways. Mm. But I suppose I'm looking at it coming back to that camaraderie yeah.
0: thing.
1: That to me being one of the boys is being... Being able to be accepted. Yeah. I suppose that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, that you're being accepted and that you can do what you need to do. Understand that it is a tough life. Mm. That uh, you are on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Mm. And if you do get sick, you have to go to medical parade before you can get sick leave. Oh. <laughs> oh. And, and, your, and And your boss has to then okay it that you can go. On leave. Yeah. Um I've m- only once did I ever have it rejected. For a cold. Oh. Or flu or whatever. You yeah. know, oh you're not sick enough. Um
0: <laughs> I think I'm dying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have gone to medical yeah. parade if it wasn't for yeah. Yeah. Um that you know that, that it is you are expected to dig a trench. Mm. You are expected to dig in. And the ads that they have on now show that. Yeah. You've got to be... um, But you've also got to think about what you want out of life.
2: Mm.
1: Is if you think that you're going to meet your Prince Charming in the military, might not happen. (laughs) Um, If you want to have a family... Mm. um, Or you are a single mum and wanting to go in understand that you're going to have to have those backups in place yeah if you're deployed um if you do find your prince charming again you're both serving you've got to have those backups in place Mm. um because without that you can't do the job yeah if you're worrying about outside stuff you can't do the job and you've got to be able to do the fitness Mm lug those packs wherever you need to do and just get on and do the job. So,
0: with that being said, what were your highlights? What made it amazing? What made you stick in it for 16 years, was it?
1: Yep. Um, The odd times I got to go on the planes. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Um, I remember going on a particular special flight. Um, it was a 15 hour flight And I saw some amazing things Going from Almost from Sri Lanka All the way through Almost up to uh, The China Sea South yeah. China Sea um, Saw some interesting things mm. Saw some not so interesting things But Being able to go on that flight Was special Yeah um, Getting on a Hercules And being drowned out by noise Not so much Yeah um, Showing my kids that there's more than just one city.
0: Because uh, of course your kids would have gone everywhere with you as well. Yep. I sort of thinking about your husband following you around, but all of, I didn't even think about the fact that your kids would have yep had different schools and
1: different schooling systems. Yeah, all those problems. Yep.
0: And even like WA has a different a starting age to some of the other states.
1: Used to. Yeah doesn't anymore, but it used to. Mm,
0: But it would have done when your kids were. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I have um, my eldest. They tried to put him in his year group, but he didn't, he wasn't at that. Yeah. Yeah, there's problems, yeah. Um, Yeah, but just showing, you know, taking my kids away. Yeah. um, Being able to show them different parts of Australia. Mm. um, Having my husband there. Yeah. And I suppose the friends that I made, the friends that I hardly pick up the phone to, that yeah. I can pick up the phone, the ones, the ones that are...
2: They're there. They're there. Yeah.
1: Those non weather friends. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I can go into an RSL mm. sub-branch meeting and I can sit down and I can listen to the blokes be the blokes and think, yep... I'm a lone woman here. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, we do have women in the the meeting. Yeah. Sort of thing. Mm. You know, a a lot of that stuff that they call sexist or inappropriate or whatever now, I just think is, well, that's what I I had. Yeah. And like water of a duck's back, it rolls off. Mm. So, with the
0: RSL... Mm Mm-hmm. How important do you think it is that people, you know, for people who have perhaps left whichever kind of service it is, how important do you think it is that we have RSLs available?
1: Very important.
0: So, tell me why.
1: Um, People may not want to go immediately after they leave. Mm. But there comes a time in your post-service life where you miss the camaraderie. Yeah. Where you miss going down the boozer and just having a drink and having a yarn, yeah. telling war stories, um, being able to be yourself. Mm. Um, I also work for a for an organisation called Working Spirit now, which finds veterans employment. Mm. And with um, and we work very closely with RSL WA's vet jobs unit. Mm-hmm. So, one way or another, we help them um, get work. Yeah. But one thing you miss when you get out is that no civilian job allows you to have what you had in the in the military. Yeah. That knowing someone's got your back. Yeah. That you don't have to tin plate your ass. Mm. That you don't. Um, well, you do in the military, but. In a different kind of way. In a different kind of way. Yeah. Um, that, that you're a unit that's doing something which is defending Australia. Yeah. Now, I joined – yes, I joined the Air Force. Mm. I love the Air Force. I love, I, love, I love flying. I love planes. But I also joined because I wanted to do something for my country, yeah. serve my country. Mm-hmm. And there is nowhere else where people understand that except at an RSL.
0: Yeah. And like I said, I don't have the experience with the armed forces um, outside of the work that I do kind of with the health service. Mm -hmm. I do spend a fair amount of time with men who have served. um, And for them, it's being in a room with somebody who has shared experiences. Yep. Because, yeah, there's such limited opportunity to know that, you know, so many of them have experienced PTSD. Yep. But to know that you're not the only person that's sitting in the room that's got PTSD. <laughs> so.
1: Oh, yeah. And and to know that, um, like, some of my friends in at North Beach, they've had it. They've tried to self-medicate. Yeah. They've become alcoholics. They've got yeah. through it. Yeah. And they're like, are you hanging in there? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm hanging in there. Oh, good. Don't forget, call if you need help. Yeah. You know, it's and, th- and
0: some of them are the most gruff blokes going, oh, yeah. but they'd be the first person to be there if you needed the help.
1: And and to and to know that they've got your back. Yeah. yeah. Not only as individuals in your sub branch, mm. but the RSL has people's backs. Yeah. You know, there's so many facets to the RSL that can help veterans, and um, it's more than just a commemorative body. Mm. Um, they can help you with financial counselling. They can help you oh. with. Um, ...with finding a job, as I said, with vet jobs. I'm going to um, be
0: honest, I thought it was just about the discounted beer.
1: No. <laughs> you mean there's more to it than just yep. discounted beer? <laughs> um, there's there's the whole thing about uh, making sure that our veterans do stuff. Yeah. And I'll be honest, it took me a long time to get to the RSL. Yeah. It took me a good ten years to get to the RSL. Yeah. But in having said that... Um, I wondered why I waited.
0: Yeah. And so two things from that. One, you talk about telling stories. Yep. How important do you think that is?
1: Very important. Mm -hmm. I think that um, we all have a story. Yeah. And the only way we know that someone else has a shared experience or understands where we're coming from is if we hear their story. Mm -hmm. So even though... Uh, like when I first joined, and I was trying to find out if I could get any help about how to get recognition by DVA about my PTSD, which I don't. Mm. But the white card helps. They were like, like you, when I told my story. Yeah. How could they? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, they but they understood. Yeah. That there's two sets of law. You know, you've got civilian law and you've got military law, mm. and never the twain shall meet. Yeah. You know. Um. So telling the story is part of the healing yeah part of being able to laugh at it mm. to, to if you can confront it and tell a story like I did I, like I didn't get into the nitty-gritty I just yeah. said that something happened yeah well so what something happened over in Afghanistan and yeah. it screwed up with my head yeah and you don't even have to say why but telling the story helps yeah and knowing, that in, and knowing that in telling the story and hearing stories, you're not alone.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, I definitely agree. And that's, you know, we kind of have a catchphrase that for this particular podcast that my story makes a difference for that exact reason. Because when people hear it, they know that they're not alone and it decreases that sense of isolation. And, mm, um, mm. and also, somebody else has made it through. Mm. So, may, if they can get through it, maybe I can as well.
1: And I think, it um, like I saw the podcast that you did the other day about the um, lady who went into a field that wasn't, yeah. you know, if you see one, you can be yeah. one. Um, I think I think in our in our perspective, mm-hmm. being ex-service people, veterans, um, knowing that you can survive it Yeah. and knowing that you have support but you've got to know about the support and that's... Part of the problem, yeah, yeah, is that not a lot of people know that they're support.
0: So you spoke about RS, so the RSLS, and then you spoke about Working Spirit as mm-hmm. well. Are there other support places? So there was soldiering on.
1: Is that they're still there? Still soldiering on? There's still Soldier on. There's Buddy Up. Mhm. Um, they do activities. Um, sailing on is another one where you get to learn how to sail a yacht. Selling yet? Cool. Um, and there's also other like Open Arms and a few other places. I know that on Working Spirits' um, website, there is a list of different places oh, awesome. and different support organisations. Yeah. Um, and our newsletter that we send out once a week has places like Buddy Up and Yeah. Uh, Connected by is another one where you can go and build a surfboard. <laughs> um, so there's you know lots of. There's lots of different things. There's the, uh, Our Veterans Forge, so you can actually learn to be blacksmithing.
0: Ah, okay. that sounds really cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there's there's lots of things that people can do Yeah, that can help with that camaraderie thing. Mm. And I think the other thing too is um, when you discharge, you don't know what you can do. No. And part of the reason I work at Working Spirit is to help people because yeah. I never had it.
0: Yeah, and that's um that's probably one of the other questions that I had as well mm. is around that I don't know if reintegration is the right word but when you've been part of the air force for 16 years mm-hmm. and that's been your only adult kind of job yep. you've gone from school pretty much into the I mean you had the two years but you know you yeah how do you do that how do you redefine yourself very hard mm
1: you um I, had, I, I remember going whilst I was in, I had to go in and redefine myself as a mother. Yeah. Um, and I had to make a break. So, when I'd leave work, I had to have enough time to change myself into being mum. Yeah. And we used to say to the boys, once mum's out of uniform, it's fine. It's yeah. okay. But when she's in uniform, don't bug her. Yeah. Um, then, when I left, I felt like I was in quicksand. Mm. i didn't know whether my skills would change would integrate or would be useful yeah. outside i had a set of skills um but how do i define them mm. and this is all stuff that and how do
0: i create a resume when i'm not allowed to talk about a whole heap of things that yep. i've
1: done <laughs> yep. very much so yeah um and that's one of the things that working spirit does now mm. we take that Stuff they give us,
2: yeah,
1: and we help them with the resume mm. or reverse market them to an employer, yeah, to say these are the skills they have, yeah, because it's more about our leadership, mm. our collaboration, team building, analytical thinking, critical thinking, um, all that kind of stuff, yeah. And one of my bosses when I was in TAFE used to say, "How can you say that?" you haven't you've gone from a to b quickly how can you do that and i said that's cuz what i was taught to do yeah and she would discount what i had to say because i could go from a to z yeah and discount everything b to y yeah in between cuz i can
0: already say that they're not going to work yeah so we're going here yeah yeah
1: and and that was like no i need your reasons
0: hmm. it'll be a lot quicker if you just trust me <laughs>
1: yeah um so, so that's there's that sort of thing. It's been yeah, it's really hard, mm. and you lose something, you lose something of yourself. Like when I started work at Working Spirit, um, I used to have quite long hair, as long as yours, I suppose, mm. and I got it all cut off. Ah, and I and once I had it cut off, I went, gee, I feel like myself again. Yeah, because all through my service, I had short hair.
0: Yeah, and do you think it was? Do you think you grew your hair as like a rebellion?
1: Yeah. It's just like I gave up running and being fit and as a rebellion, yeah.
0: That's probably not a good rebellion.
1: <laughs> 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 wasn't, 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 wasn't. I can definitely say that. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, and then this
0: is, could possibly be a controversial question I and mean, feel free not to answer it. Do you have any thoughts on the fact that we haven't celebrated Anzac Day for the last two years and then this year it's looking like it's going to be capped at 500?
1: I understand the reasoning. For the last two years, I've done a driveway.
0: Mm. Which was actually quite beautiful.
1: Yeah. Um, And Anzac Day for me has always been a personal thing. Yeah. I suppose it's because I never started going to Dawn's... Well, I went to Dawn's services while I was in. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I got out, I never went. Mm. I think that it's understandable why it's capped at 500... But I can also understand the RSL's reticence Mm. of wanting to be a super spreader.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, most definitely.
1: Um, Because I know, you know, that they're they're struggling with it too. Mm. Yes, we'll get our march, but it won't be the same.
2: Yeah, that's it.
1: I'll march, which I haven't been able to do for two years. Mm. Damn COVID. Yeah. Um, But again... The streets are not going to be like no they were.
0: And if you limit it to 500, is there actually going to be any space for anybody to be there? Yeah. Or does the 500 just count the 500 who are marching?
1: No, that's everybody else.
0: Okay. few. That's something at least.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the – but then again, how many of them are going to march? Because mm. all the older ones may decide not to march because yeah. they don't – Don't want to risk it. Don't want to risk it. Yeah. And – You know, that's a conversation that's a daily conversation. Yeah. And I think that living with COVID is about... It's a moral obligation.
2: Mm.
1: I think that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, You're not wanting to put people at risk. Yeah. So, that might be a bit controversial, but I've studied philosophy and I've studied (laughs) a few other things, you know. It's just, you know, that's the way I see it. Yeah. And again, it's... The good of the many mm. outweighs the good of the one. Yeah. Good old Spock. Yeah. And
0: I, haven't, I didn't ask you this before we started recording, so it's okay if you don't know the answer and I'll just delete this bit. But <laughs> have you thought about what Anzac Day actually means to you?
1: Yeah. Um, I, it actually means sort of like um, it's a time for me to reflect on my own service. It's a time to reflect on people I know who have lost their lives in service. Mm -hmm. um, Who were like my grandfather. Mm. um, Who went to war and then came back not quite right. Yeah. Or 100% because that's what happens with every serviceman.
0: I was going to say, I think actually, I don't know anybody goes to war and comes back. Whether they come back whole or whether they come back... The same person that went.
1: Yeah, that that doesn't happen. Mm. Um, It gives me time to reflect. When I say reflect on my service, um, kids don't necessarily look at it nowadays but there was a poem um, that we used to sing sing as a song Mm -hmm. when I was a kid and had Anzac Day and it's um, I Love a Sunburnt Country Mm. A yep. land of sweeping plains. Yeah. And my love for this country is why I served. Yeah. So Anzac Day is about remembering why I served,
2: mm.
1: my service, and why others serve. Mm-hmm. And even those who were on Nashos or were conscripted or whatever else during Vietnam, they'll say the same thing. Eventually, it was about. I did my bit. Yeah. So, um, admittedly, it's about remembering the guys that started off remembering the guys who fell at Gallipoli. Yeah. But I think it's more than that now. Yeah. I think it's it's about us as a nation mm. and our New Zealand partners yeah. as a nation mm. because... For our little country, we've lost a lot of souls.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Through that sort of thing. Mm. And I think it's something that we can acknowledge.
0: Yeah, and like I say, I think that we lost a lot of souls and I think a lot of souls have been damaged.
1: Yeah, and I think that needs to be um, recognised and that even for a peacetime veteran, Mm. you leave not whole
0: and because i have gone way over time i'm really sorry but thank you very much have you got any other thoughts or anything else that you would like to add or share
1: no not really i just i just think thank you for the opportunity um you had a world first (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm appreciative (laughs) um yeah because i haven't really said that outside of my own personal circle uh what i said earlier and um yeah thank you very much and uh
0: Yeah no and I really appreciate that you've given up your time to go on very short notice so thank you very much for that. I also appreciate that you did feel safe enough to share Mm. uh, your experiences and that you know regardless of some of the experiences that you did have you still from the sounds of it you still look back on your time in the Air Force with fondness and you still have it.
1: I miss it I miss it every day.
0: And clearly still very passionate about planes.
1: Oh, yeah. Have you learned to fly? I did learn to fly. When I was 16, I started taking up flying. Yeah. Um, Before I left to join the Air Force, I had my restricted pilot's licence and then joining, getting married, having children, flying's expensive. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's probably
0: one of the most expensive (laughs) hobbies I can think of.
1: (laughs) But on the upside, when I'm in a commercial flight, I can tell when the plane's going to take off and I can tell when it lands.
0: Can you, you know, if something happens and they put a call out, do you reckon you could land the plane?
1: Oh, yeah. It's just like, I'd, you know, I, I reckon I'd have a good go at it. Um, yeah. But uh, it'd have to be something really bad for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, okay, well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.